sing number 515. 515. I'm sorry. stand.
open up some prayer tonight. Please do be seated. Um, we do just uh, need to be in prayer for one another. Please do remember the requests that were made this morning. And uh, remember the praises. Those are continuing prayer requests. So uh, we do praise the Lord for that. I haven't seen the news today, but uh, I, I did research a little bit this morning. And, and uh, uh, I was talking with uh, Brother Luce about uh, this is kind of the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, at least year-wise. And so... Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Israel declared war against Hamas and Hezbollah. And folks, Iran pays all the bills for Hamas and Hezbollah. So eventually, you know, they're going to be involved somehow. And so we really do need to be in prayer. I, uh, you know, I, I have opportunity to know a few military folks, and a lot of them are talking about war with China, and now we got war with Israel. And, you know, the Bible does talk about in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. And uh, we talked even this morning uh, about how that uh, the last days have been set up and different things to look for and all that. Um, if the Apostle Paul thought he was living in the last days, I think maybe we should understand we're living in the last days. Amen? And uh, would to God that we'd live that way. You know, we really need to be in prayer for one another. It's a hard time for everybody. You know, we talked about in Sunday school about encouragement, you know, all the things that discourage us. Uh, we could, uh, if we wanted to have a confession time, we could make a pretty good list, no doubt. So we need to pray for one another. Pray for one another's encouragements and uh, just uh, pray for uh, uh, pray for God. You know, give us a space of grace. We don't deserve it. That's why they call it grace and mercy. Amen. It's okay to ask for it. And we have not because we ask not. So let's let's remember those things. Let's do be in prayer for one another. Uh, we're going to receive our evening offerings at this time. Uh, let me encourage the seniors, Tuesday, 9.30, I think it is, at uh, McDonald's. And so uh, please do be here for that. And, then, uh, and I'm really excited to, to see uh, Brother Elam again. So, so let's do be in prayer for him. And uh, Brother Jason, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing, please. Amen. Thirty-four. 
this down here. Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight and uh, get to look at some wonderful words of life. You know, the uh, Word of God is precious, isn't it? I want you to think about that. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 9 is where we're going. been on my heart for a long time, and it's kind of a culmination and also a uh, integration of a lot of things that we've been looking at lately, okay, a lot of things that we've been studying in Sunday school and Sunday night, and, and um, if you will, we live in a world of confusion, and all you got to do to see that is watch the news and look around, and, and you can see things that you just look at and you shake your head. And I don't know about you, but how many, how many of y'all think two plus two is four? Y'all think? Some of you are convinced. But when you're living in a world where two plus two is four and you just know it, and everybody's living like two plus two is five, have you ever just kind of had that kind of weird look in your eyes where you're just like, what are you thinking about? You know, what are you talking about? And, uh, and so, if you will, I, I want to preach on confusion tonight. It's, it's a message that's been on my heart for a while. And it, it just the confusion of the day and the age in which we live is just, to be quite honest, you're quite a burden. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm the type of person, I like to just identify things. I like to do something about it. Amen? If we can, I like to be able to do something about it. And so, in Daniel chapter 9, if you will, the uh, time of confusion has come to fulfillment in the sense that Daniel realizes that uh, they've been in captivity for 70 years. They know by the prophecies of Jeremiah the time is to go back. He also understands why they were in captivity. By the way, why were they in captivity? Talk to me here. Why were they in captivity? Disbelief, Disbelief absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, they picked the number 70 because they hadn't kept any of the Sabbath. They hadn't lived by faith, disbelief. They hadn't lived by faith. There's one other thing if you think about it. They'd been given over to idols. By the way, God broke them of that. So much so that, boy, they were just totally against idols by the time of Christ. Amen. They had even overreacted in a sense because they, you know, they said that you're, you're blaspheming because of the things you're saying. They'd gone so overboard, if you will. And, uh, and so we do live in a, in a confusing world. So in Daniel chapter 9, I want to begin reading in verse 3 is where we're going to start. And, uh, sorry, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, the Bible says this, it says, uh, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. By the way, is he serious about getting an answer? The Bible says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. Meaning God's kept all his promises to us that, that love him and love his commandments. The Bible says, We have sinned. Let's stop here for a second here. How many of you all know the testimony of Daniel? There's a few people in the Bible of which nothing negative is said. Daniel's one of them. Amen. 
I want you to think about this. I mean, who can you think of? Uh, there's Joseph, who's nothing negative is said of him, and then nothing's negative said of, of Daniel. By the way, he was beloved of God. That's why God gave him such insights. And I want you to think about the nature of that statement there. He says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Okay? You're right. right? He's confessing. God, you're right. The Bible says, but unto us, confusion of faces. I'm not trying to be clever here, but have you ever made this face at your kids? Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm talking about? To me, that's confusion of face. You all understand that? When we take and we look at them, we're like, what in the world? And, 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 and so, if you will, he says, we have confusion of face because of what we've done. And uh, the Bible says further, it, it says, uh, 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 verse 8 again, O Lord, uh, unto us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be able to sing your praises tonight. We do thank you for this wonderful book, this wonderful word of life. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to understand it. Father, we pray that we would be faithful to proclaim it. Father, that we might be able to see it uh, help in a world of confusion, help people who are living in confusion. And Father, we just pray that we could make a difference, having a burden just like Daniel did. And Father, we love you. We thank you now. Be with those who are apart from us. You know every need, body, soul, and spirit. Father, meet it according to your perfect will and for your glory. And Father, we just pray that you would meet with us now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, we do live in a confusing world uh, we see and hear, sadly, and please forgive me, but we see transvestites teaching our children in libraries and public schools. I don't know if any of y'all saw it, but they had a Methodist church the other day that had a choir loft full of transvestites. And the church was singing a song confessing their sin against those people. And uh, I want you to know that's kind of confusing. Why? Because I think the Bible's pretty clear on some of these things. Amen? Matter of fact, we'll see that here in just a second. You know, the sad thing is, is, is many parents, instead of condemning the schools, they champion the courage that these children, sometimes who have been affected by all this, have to take and to allow things in their life, uh, hormone therapy and, and uh, you know, I don't want to get into too many details. Can you all just nod if you know what I'm talking about? And there's confusion, and it's just, it, to me, it just it looks like, Parents abandoning their responsibility and falling into the pressure of the age. And, and you see things that you know are going to lead to destruction. And you're like, why in the world would you be pursuing that? And how many of you all get a confusing face? You all understand that? The confusion of our face. Now, we're not doing those things. But I'm telling you, if Daniel can take and can confess the sin of his nation of a thing he had not done, how many of us could take and have that same sense of personal responsibility that, well, they're the ones doing it, and I appreciate that, but we're all in this together in, in the sense that we need to take and say, well, you know what, maybe we have a responsibility too. I will tell you this, at the, at the very least, the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the 
the gospel, the good news that you don't have to be impacted by this. This is not, listen, that's not the transformation God's looking for in your life. God's looking for a transformation in your heart and your soul and your eternity and everything like that. And, and so, if you will, you know, I, uh, um, I don't know about you, but they make pins today to tell people what acceptable pronouns are. Okay? Have you guys seen them? A few of you have seen How many of y'all have seen them? Just, okay, only a couple of us. You guys haven't gone to coffee shop lately. I'm not trying to be clever about that, but I mean, quite often they're the ones wearing the pins. One of the proper pronouns is they, them. Please take this the right way. Those are plural terms. Y'all understand that? They, them, instead of he, she. Okay, no, excuse me. He, her. No. <laughs> she, her. He, him. They, them. I'm just telling you, there's, there's something deeper in that if you want to take and dig into it. How confusing it must be to grow up in this world today. I want you to think about this. How confusing it must be to grow up in this world today. And, uh, you know, so many of us are grown, but I don't know about you. I, I'm not the type of person to say, well, at least it will be good in my days. I mean, that's what Hezekiah said, didn't he? He said, at least it'll be good in my days. I would tell you this. I, I hope that we don't have that spirit, and I hope that we don't have that attitude. Well, at least I raised my children right. Well, at least we're doing okay. Well, at least it's okay here at Liberty Baptist Church. Can I, can I just tell you this? We're living in a world of confusion, and we need to take personal responsibility for it, just like Daniel did. Amen. And so, if you will, I, I, I do want to talk about confusion here tonight, the, the definition of confusion that's interesting to me. Jim mentioned it this morning. I, I do believe it's important sometimes to take and to just go to the first mention because the Bible will, will teach you principles when you go to the first mention of the word confusion. Could you go there with me? It's in the book of Leviticus, chapter 18. And I'm just going to read this and we'll move on. But Leviticus, chapter 18, and verse 23, the first use of the word confusion is here. And the Bible says, Neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereunto. It is confusion. Now, folks, I, I mean, that's pretty gross sin there, so let's move on. I, I'm not trying to, to shock anybody. I'm just trying to show you the first use. The second use is just a couple chapters over. Would you look at chapter 20 and verse 12? Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 12. The Bible says, if a man lie down with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. What was the penalty for this type of behavior, folks? It was the death penalty. Why? Because God said, I want it totally put out of my society. Okay? It's not to be spoken amongst you. It is confusion. Now, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit further about confusion. But think about this. This, this if you will, is associated with gross fornication. Okay, gross fornication. And what the Bible says, the marriage bed, if you will, is given for. It says marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Amen. And by the way, that's just on the, this is terrible to say. If this is the extreme, disgusting side of the spectrum, that verse right there is talking about this. The very confusion we're talking about is way on that. I mean, he's just talking about just what confusion it leads to in the, in the eyes. Uh, for those of us who are my age, 
I'm trying to make sure I say this right. The confusion began with a book that was put into classrooms called Heather Has Two Mommies. You guys ever heard of that book? Okay, well, that, that was a book that was brought in in the 80s, Heather Has Two Mommies, and it was trying to take and say, this is a normal household. Please take this the right way. It is not a normal household. It is a perverted household. God is the one who designed the household. He designed the purpose for marriage. What is the purpose for marriage? It's for purity. Amen? It's for procreation of the human race. Uh, it's for partnering. Uh, the Bible says that, that Mindy, if you will, is a help meet for me. Literally means God perfectly designed her to make up for my deficiencies so that we're stronger as a team than we are as individuals uh, apart. Amen. And so, if you will, that's the purpose uh, for that. And then, of course, there's also pleasure and ful fulfillment. Well, today's perversions lead to gross immorality and, and, and if you will, broken homes. Composed of broken people. Amen? We're living in a world full of broken homes with broken people. And at best, the slow annihilation of us as a species at the worst. Meaning, if, if you will, meaning that the broken homes, that's the best consequence of, of the gross immorality. You all understand that? Uh, literally, it could lead to the annihilation of our species. How long do you have to practice homosexuality faithfully to annihilate the human race? One generation. One generation, amen. And so it leads to serial, unstable relationships. I don't know how many of you all know this, but those type of relationships have a six-month shelf life. Six-month shelf life. I don't know about you. Marriage is supposed to be forever, is it not? And, and so, if you will, six months shelf life. And then the sad truth is it leads to a growing appetite for greater and greater perversions. I, I, won't, I won't go into that more. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to shock. I'm just trying to say this is the world we live in. And it is more prominent than you might know. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people today. Number two. Between people between the ages of 10 and 24... It is the second leading cause of death, okay? And LGBTQ youth are more than four times as likely to attempt suicide. Now, please take this the right way. If they see that nonsense and if they participate in that nonsense, and by the way, church, uh, schools, and I don't know if it's happening here, but schools have been allowed to hide these things from parents. Parents don't even know what's going on, okay? And if you will those children who have been impacted by that are four times as likely to try to attempt suicide. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like building a society, that sounds like destroying our children. Uh, by the way, these are not my statistics, these are their statistics, okay, their statistics. 1.8 million LGBT youth between the ages of 13 and 24 seriously consider suicide each year, each year. You're not going to believe this last one. This is the most important one as far as I'm concerned. But those who identify as LGBTQ in that age group, 45% of them attempted suicide last year. And over half of them who have gone through transitioning, listen to me now, over half of them who have gone through transitioning attempted suicide in the last year. Can I ask you a question? How many of y'all think maybe they're a little confused? They, they, they don't even know how to live with what they've been taught and, and what they've been influenced by and some of the decisions that they've made. Amen. That is the kind of confusion that we're living in. 
Those who pursue these appetites wonder how they can end up empty, hopeless, abused, or used up, and suicidal. Amen. And I don't know about you, but don't you think kids ought to be kind of carefree? How many of y'all, if you were to ask, what was the happiest time of your life? I would have said between the ages of 10 and 24. Why? Mom and dad were still paying the bills. Amen. I mean, think about it. I don't have any problems yet. Amen. Carefree and enjoying life and having fun. And, and today, these people are so confused that over half of some of them are wanting to con- consider suicide as an option every year, every year. You know what that means? You go long enough, it means they've tried it more than once. Amen. I, I don't know about you. To me, that's just confusing. Don't you think when you look at a playground full of kids that they should be happy and smiling and in around making noise? Amen. And that's just not the world we're living in. The sad truth is some of them become so hardened by their sin that they've lost the ability to reason and to be reasoned with. Folks, the last few uh, weeks, uh, over three weeks now, and this is kind of the conclusion of this thought, I've been trying to teach us as a church how to study our Bibles. Okay? Why? Anybody here good at math? Okay, anybody know how to do math? Okay, let's do one more test here. How many of y'all know what 2 plus 2 is? Okay, I'll simple it down here. How did you figure that out? Well, you could say memorization. Now, I could make the problem harder, but if I did make the problem harder, how many of y'all would have the reasoning skills to discern at least simple arithmetic? Y'all with me? Can I tell you, today, people are being taught how to feel, and they're being taught what to believe. They're not being taught how to reason what is right and what is true. Amen. And so what I've been teaching for the last few weeks, though sometimes it might seem like it's too much, it might seem like it's a little boring, can I tell you this? If we don't pass these tools onto our children and influence the people around us, give them the ability to reason, then they will lose the ability to reason. And so much so that you, you know the verse, that when they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Amen? And then it talks about pursuing these things that we've started in our introduction. And and God says, if you will, they've lost the ability to reason. They only feel, and if you will, they're proud of what they know because that's what they've been taught. And you look at them and you're like, you're like, the other day, uh, they uh, dug up a fossil at uh, Mount St. Helens. Some of you are old enough to remember Mount St. Helens blew up in 1985. I think was the year, and uh, they dug it up, and they dug up this stone, and some, they didn't tell them, you know, and they, and they, 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 they um, radio dated it, and it was tens of thousands, if not millions of years old, and they go, no, we know how old it is. We know how old it is, and the sad truth is that kind of stuff is, like, well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> don't you realize you're being lied to? And yet people don't have the reasoning tools that makes it so that they can make a right decision. And to be quite honest with you, some in our society have stopped trying to think. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if you ever read end of days types books, <laughs> people become automatons. How, how did people do what the, what the Germans did in World War II? Can I just tell you this? They had to turn off their brain. You know what they had to do? They had to look at a Jew and say, that person's not even a human being, and they probably wouldn't have used the word person because they couldn't have done it unless they could have shut off their brain enough. 
Now, folks, those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I don't know about you, but I see a world today where people are slowly but surely turning their brains on and it leads to a confusion of faith. And you look at them and you're like, what in the world? You're, you're going to see something here in a second. Even, I don't know about you, but if you've never studied this, they actually have a justification for homosexuality. They say that it's the next evolution in human development. And the whole purpose is actually to limit the population of the earth. So they actually think that's a good thing. Why? Because they say, well, the earth has outgrown itself. The population today is 8 billion people, and I promise you the carrying capacity of earth is far higher than 8 billion people. I've seen 24 and 25 billion people could be held on this earth and fed and clothed and housed. And, and so my whole point is this, is, is they're being taught lies, uh, uh, the environmentalist movement and all these things, they're all tools to take and to have people shut down their reasoning, feel things instead of thinking things, okay? And so if you will, uh, so many things today have these same type of sinful motives of turning, uh, turning people's minds around. I, I want you to think about something. Is, is the border crisis a crisis for us? I mean, don't get all political with me here. Everybody's going like this. Why is it an issue? Folks, you realize that if, that if people in power didn't want it to be happening, it wouldn't be happening. So why is it still happening? I'll tell you why. Because they can't get enough people to take and to be the labor base for the society that we live in. And they need them to provide for the, for the unskilled labor, okay? Well, please take this the right way. Why do we need so many laborers in America? Well, when you abort 600,000 of them a year, come on. And people are like, why is our society decaying? Well, you're, you're aborting your babies. Come on now. Can I, can I tell you this? In a time of crisis, when somebody's in that crisis part of life, can I tell you abortion might make sense to them? But we know different. We know that women who've had abortions quite often live with that guilt and that shame and that confusion for the rest of their lives. And it destroys them from the inside. By the way, notice the connection I said, confusion and shame. Because the root word for the word confusion is just that. It's shame. It's shame. We'll, we'll explore this more here in a second, okay? Literally, those that pursue this course of, are going to come in, to an end of themselves or the end of their lives and have the following questions. Why, after pursuing all this pleasure, am I not happy? Think about it. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then they eat, drink, and be merry and say, I'm not happy. Okay, uh, when they take and they pursue all these selfish goals and these selfish direct uh, things, and you can tie a lot of things that we've talked about, they end up, why am I not happy? Why have so many people tried to convince me uh, that these things would make me happy, like atheism? A lot of people say, I, I don't believe in God. Can I tell you there's a motivation behind that? They don't want to believe in God because they don't want to be held accountable to God. Do you understand that? And so they say, well, I took God out of my life. I can do whatever I want. And at the end of the day, they end up empty and sorrowful. Why? Because life has no meaning. Amen. And you sit, look at them and you're like, well, of course. How can you not understand that, if you will? Uh, the carnality, the mocking of the righteousness, and again, abortion and things like this. 
There is not other way to describe all this nonsense than to call it confusion, okay? To call it confusion. The root word or the root meaning of confusion is the word shame. And it helps us to understand some old-fashioned statements. How many of y'all ever heard these ones here? You should be ashamed of yourself. You ever heard that? And what kind of look did you have on your face when you did? You should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, why? Because you're like, you know better than that. You ever heard that? You know better than that. You should be ashamed of yourself. How could you do such a thing? Amen. And literally, how could you is, is, is another, if you will, type of response when you take. You know, today we listen to the constant refrain of don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Well, they're the legalists. They're the hateful ones for trying to instill biblical values and standards in me. No, we're not. We're just the ones that have read the book. We're the ones that understand the end of the story with, with Pharaoh and Moses, amen. We're the ones that have read the book of Revelation, amen. And, and if you will, uh, we're, we're the ones that have used our reasoning to take in to understand what is righteous and who is righteous and who we be, should we be following, okay. Now, what is the destiny of the confused? You guys ever think about this? By the way, you guys have heard me use this illustration. I heard a preacher one time. He said, we ought to take and name all those people we just named, okay? And we ought to line them up against the wall and just shoot them. And I literally heard a, a room full of preachers say, amen, brother. Please take this the right way. That, that's not going to solve their problem. It's not going to fix our problem either. Amen. Why? Because they're confused. What do you do with a confused person? You try to educate them. You try to get into them, okay? Well, uh, think about this. People who remain confused, okay? Living shameful lives. Y'all understand that? Living shameful lives. Well, there's a destiny for them. Um, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah tells you what God thinks about LG, LGBTQ. I, I can't even say it, okay? By the way, uh, they try to explain that away in different places and say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not homosexuality. It was the sin of inhospitality. Can I tell you there's a big difference between not giving somebody a room and the abuses that were going on in those cities? And if you don't believe that, because a lot of people say, well, that's the only place in the Bible. You're just using one place in the Bible to say God hates that sin. Well, then maybe you should read the end of the book of Judges. Because God almost destroyed an entire tribe in Israel for that very sin. Read the end of the, read the, end of the book of Judges. That's exactly true. And, and I want you to know, if you will, that Romans chapter 1 makes it pretty clear. I'm not going to read it, but he talks about, if you will, uh, that sin in Romans chapter 1 in explicit terms. And talks about, if you will, the vanity or the shamefulness of that lifestyle. Amen. So, well, you're, you just hate those people. I don't hate those people. Hey, I'm going to say it again, and I, I wish you'd amen. I don't hate those people. I'm not creeped out by them. I'm not, listen, I'm, listen a sinner's a sinner. Okay? I tell you what I am, I'm brokenhearted for them. They're living lives that cannot lead to anything but their own personal destruction. Amen. And they're going to finish living those lives unless somebody does something about it to make a difference. Amen. What does God think about abortion? I don't know if you've ever studied this, but it's a wonderful study if you want to do it sometimes. But uh, the destruction of Tyre, the city of Tyre, you guys have heard of Tyre and Sidon? 
Well, the city of Tyre, God prophesied that he was going to destroy that city. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. And if I had time, and I don't have time, you can go study it for yourself if you want to. But read Ezekiel chapter 26 through 29, and he talks about the wickedness of this city. Okay? Well, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 7 The Bible says this, it says, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their sword against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. By the way, does that, it's pretty clear to you, God's not happy with these people. (laughs) He says, I'm going to drive you from the continent. I'm going to drive you into the sea. I'm going to wipe you out from all existence. And he is dead serious about it. And if you'll read the history of, this, of the nation of Tyre, they were on the continent. Matter of fact, they were allies with Israel. The king of Tyre was an ally with King David. Amen. But the problem is Tyre and Sidon, remember Jezebel, she falls from this line. And they were the ones that brought Baal worship into Israel. And part of Baal worship was child sacrifice. And folks, you've heard me preach about this. So I'm, I don't want to shock anybody. But folks, they engaged in child sacrifice. And Folks, they didn't take and sacrifice the children they wanted. They sacrificed the children they didn't want. It was a sin that was so repulsive that even the Romans hated this nation because of their sin. And God said, I'm going to drive you into the sea. And that's exactly what he did. Nebuchadnezzar took 13 years to drive them off the continent onto an island. And, and, and so, if you will, they were a seafaring people. They became known as the Phoenicians. If you've ever heard of the Phoenicians, they became known as the Phoenicians. And, and, and it took Nebuchadnezzar 13 years. Folks, he didn't spend that, you know, that long attacking Jerusalem, I don't think. And if he did, my whole point is this, is he took and he drove that entire nation into the sea. And then they got onto this island and they built walls and they had their ships and they said, ha, 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 you can't get us. Well, the only problem with that is God made a prophecy here. Did he not? And, and so, if you will, a guy named Alexander the Great, you ever heard of him? Alexander the Great was going to take and destroy him, too. And they said, we're on an island. You don't have a navy. You can't get us. I mean, that's in the Bible. I'm joking. That is how they behaved. Because they looked at him and they said, you can't get on our island here. We're the greatest seamen in the world. You are not going to take and defeat us. You are not going to do it. And Alexander said, oh, yeah? And he built a thing called a mole. He, he literally took, and, and it, you guys ever seen a, Monette did it over here. There was a big hole over there, and they just kept inviting fill dirt and fill dirt and fill dirt and fill dirt. Well, that's exactly what he did. That's what a mole is. He took and he put fill dirt and he put fill dirt and he put fill dirt. And he literally built a, 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 an earth bridge out to the island until they could attack with conventional weapons. And they literally drove the entire nation into the sea. You know why? Because God said he was going to do it. Please take this the right way. Only a fool mocks at sin. Because when God says he hates something, he says he, he means he hates something. Amen. And what was their primary sin? Their primary sin was child sacrifice. Amen. So much so that if you look at a map today, I think of Lebanon. I think it's, in, it's either in Lebanon or Syria. I think it's in Lebanon. You can actually see how Alexander the Great changed the geography of the world to fulfill this scripture. He did that. Okay. 
A few years, uh, uh, well, a few years later, uh, let me see, uh, you know, 180 years later, uh, you guys heard of the Carthagians? City of Carthage? How many of y'all have ever heard of Hannibal and his elephants? Those are the Carthagians, okay? And uh, they, they fought with Rome. Rome hated them because of this sin. And they, the Phoenicians, they went from the continent to the island. And when they ran from the island, they went to North Africa to a city called Carthage. And uh, if you will, remember what God said? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe you out. I'm going to wipe you out for your sin. Amen. They said, ha, 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 we got away. And he said, no, you didn't. Because a Roman senator named Cato pronounced this. He said, he said Carthage must be destroyed. And folks, they destroyed that city so bad they tore down the walls, they burned down the city, they killed the inhabitants, and then they salted the land. They said, nobody's coming back here. Nobody. And you say, boy, the Romans really hated it. No, no, God really hated it. Folks, I'm telling you, God couldn't be more clear about what he thinks about homosexuality, and he couldn't be more clear about what he thinks about abortion. And yet we live in a world today that accepts these things. As, as okay and normal and natural. How about the destruction of Satan? How does Satan, how does Satan play into all this? Think about this. Uh, Satan, in a, we're still in Ezekiel 28. Go down to verse 11. And previous to this, he's talking about Tyre and the, a, a, a human king of Tyre. But in verse 11, it's very clear he's talking about somebody else. Okay? He's, he's literally talking about the devil. Okay? Satan. And it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. By the way, he's describing Satan at his creation. Okay? He says, Thou hast been in Eden. Now, folks, that didn't apply to the king in the first ten verses. You all understand? But it did apply to Satan, did it not? Was Satan in Eden? Okay. The Bible talks about, if you will, his wisdom. It talks about his covering. In verse 13, the precious stones, topaz, onyx, emeralds, all that stuff. The Bible talks about the tabrets and the pipes. He had a beautiful voice and a beautiful song. The Bible says in verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast uh, upon the holy mountain of God, and thou walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Listen now, till iniquity was found in thee. What was his iniquity? You remember what he said? He said in Isaiah chapter 14, we'll look at this here in a second. He said, I will be like the most high. And I will be worshipped. Amen. And folks, please take this the right way. But anybody that takes those I will statements, they're eventually going to face a God and answer to God. Does Satan answer to God? You guys know how Satan ends up? The Bible says ultimately he is cast into the lake of fire. He's cast in there. Amen. And where does he go? Does he go to sit on a throne with a pitchfork to rule? No. You know where he goes? The Bible says he's going to be cast down to the very lowest place. He said, I will be like the most high. Okay. Go, go if you will. I want you to see this. Go to Isaiah chapter 14 and look at verse 9. Isaiah chapter 14, look at verse 9. 
Bible says, hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. He's clearly talking about Satan here, okay? It says, it stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It riseth up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. And then, so everybody's rising up. Hey, he's coming. Satan's coming. Yeah. It says, all they that shall speak and say unto thee, art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like as to us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Then the Bible says this, he says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And then look at this. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? Can I show you what that literally means? That means everybody in hell is going to walk by and look at Satan. He's not sitting on a throne with a pitchfork, folks. He is at the very lowest point in hell and he is the weakest in hell in the point that everybody can walk by and go like this. <laughs> You're the one. You're the one that did all this. You thought you were so powerful. You thought you were so good. Now, folks, I want you to think about this. How many of y'all think that Satan is going to live with the shame of his decision for the rest of his eternity? Amen. And so is everyone that says, I'm going to have what I want. And God says, no, you're not. Matter of fact, if, if you want any good thing, you need to confess your sin and call on me and I'll give you everlasting life. But if you don't, you're going to end up just like him. In shame and in confusion of face. Now, folks, listen to me. They thought they were powerful. They thought they were going to get the whole world and they're going to end up having nothing and being confused. Hey, this didn't work out the way we thought. And they're going to be ashamed, just like Satan himself. The most ashamed. There's no doubt in my mind he's the most ashamed being in all of creation by the end of creation, or by the end of, of time. Amen. I want you to think about this. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Don't, don't answer me. Any of y'all ever done anything you were ashamed of? I think everybody can say amen, amen. Are you going to have to pay the price for that shame? The answer is no. Why? Well, folks, I think we need to consider sometimes when God gives us everlasting life, you know what he gives us? Everlasting life. <laughs> he gives us a home in heaven. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. He casts it behind his back. He buries it in the deepest sea to remember it no more. Y'all believe that? Yeah. And we don't have to have that look of confusion. And if somebody wants to take and say, well, you did this and you did that. Yes, I did, but it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 follows, if you will, the hall of fame of faith. 
And the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, say it with me, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, that word despising there means to think little of or to not even consider. Okay? Meaning this, he didn't, he didn't care about the shame. Now help me for a second here. The Bible says that if you don't hate your mother, father, sister, and brethren, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. So we're supposed to hate our mom and our dad. Now what does it mean? It means we're supposed to love God so much that everybody thinks we hate him. True? Okay. Folks, how many of y'all think that Jesus was looking forward to the crucifixion when he had to bear all of our sins and all of our shame? The Bible says that he sweat as it were great drops of blood, and he, he entreated his father. He said, Father, if this cup may pass from me. Why, he understood. Amen. But he also said this. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Folks, I want you to think about this. I, there's some people who believe this. I, I believe this. That Jesus was cognizant of every sin that he paid for. How many of y'all think there were some sins laid on him because all the sins of the world were laid on him? Some of them were pretty shameful. Not to be spoken in polite company. Amen? What the Bible says, the Bible says that he, he didn't even think about that. It meant nothing to him. Why? Well, it's kind of like I said here recently with Adam and Eve. You remember Eve was deceived and God knew that she was going to be cast out. She was, gonna, she was not going to be able to be in paradise anymore. And, uh, and so she said, look, it's good for food. And I'm telling you that Adam knew what that meant. You've eaten. You're going to be gone. I'm not going to be able to be with you. Amen. And please take this the right way. But Adam, knowing all that, ate that fruit. Why? He bore her shame. He bore her consequence to the sin she chose. Are you all with me? Folks, that's what it means that not despising the shame. He, he, or despising the shame. He didn't care about that shame. Why? Because he loved us so much. You know what he said? I'll bear it. Why? Because I love them. Can I ask you a question? Do you think there's some pretty shameful things Jesus paid the price for? So when God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, how many of y'all believe that? Even some of the shameful sins that we've talked about here today, shameful stuff, Confusing stuff. How could you think that was going to make you happy? Amen. And, and rather than looking in condemnation, maybe we should look in compassion. Anybody here ever used the expression, there but for the grace of God? Go why? And the Bible tells us in the book of Jude, the Bible says, on some having compassion, making a difference. 
And folks, I'm telling you, we're living in a world that I feel sorry for these young people. I feel sorry for the things that they're taught. I, I feel sorry for the abuse that takes place in the homes and, 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 and any churches that are lying to them or uh, if they go to school and get fed all that nonsense and in a society where they're just, bar, just barraged with all kinds of the media and all kinds of the messaging. And, and then they look around and they think, what in the world should I do to make myself happy? And they take and they choose the wrong course. And then we in our pious self can look and go, well, they got what they deserved. Please take this the right way. I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. And they're confused. And I don't want to walk around condemning them. I want to walk around with compassion, offering them a better way. Amen? Please take this the right way. If, if, every once in a while, I'm pretty good at math. Every once in a while, people don't understand math. I look at it, and I'm like, how can you not understand math? You know? It sounds like a silly illustration, but i got to be honest with you. When I see somebody that can't do math, I want to help them do math. Now, when my wife sees that, she's like, get away from me. He's going to confuse you. No. <laughs> but I, I would tell you this. They need somebody to tell them the truth. Amen? Well, they might get mad at me. True? Yeah. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm going to say it with compassion. I'm going to say it with love. I'm going to say it with patience. I'm going to say it, if you will, with, with I'll, I'll talk to you about this again. And, and by the way, I'm not ashamed to be in your company. I doubt she's watching, but I... When I was in South Dakota, I met a young lady, and she saw my tie. I'll use this illustration again many times, but a tie really sets people off when they're misbehaving. <laughs> and she looked at me, and, and immediately she started saying, she goes, she didn't know me. All I wanted to do was buy some candy. I was buying it for somebody else, not me. <coughs> And she goes, you know what? I'm trying to do better. I'm turning my life around. I've held this job for three weeks. I'm doing better. I'm getting up. And she just started making excuses for her life. Business got busy, and I, I went and I found a local track. I didn't want to give them one of mine. I found a local track, and I, I said, listen. And she was too busy to talk to me then, too. But I said, I said I, and I called her by name. I said, I want you to, I want you to have this because I didn't want her to try to reform herself because that was just going to lead to more confusion. Amen. I wanted to get her to a place where she has some answers. I, I think about her, I pray for her, and as I think about her, I'm going to continue to pray for her. And I, I've sent people out, hopefully they'll visit her and, and, and maybe make a difference. You could look at her and you could say, what a wreck you've made of your life. No, on some, having compassion, making a difference. And folks, I'm just telling you, I think maybe we can do that with our relatives, and we might be able to do that with our neighbors. We could do that with some of the kids. Maybe we could look for opportunities to find ways to involve ourselves in people's lives. Amen? Why? Because we can still make a difference in the lives of people who are confused. And I'm telling you what, we are surrounded by people who are confused. And we ought not walk around, shame on you. 
shame on you. We should go around saying, you know what, they might just be the product of the environment that they've been raised in. Praise God that we haven't been raised like that. Amen? We ought to be grateful and thankful for the things that we have and the things that we understand. Somebody taught us how to study our Bible for ourselves. Somebody raised us up in Sunday school. Somebody made a difference for us. Amen? But somebody needs to make a difference for them too. Amen? I pray that, I pray that you'll just receive that with how it was presented. Let's all stand if you would.